question Jim that had was like, if you were starting out today in 2023 as, as a young Jim Sheridan and you had to do it all again, that could be advice to actors or filmmakers. How would you do it? And what would you do differently in today's, I guess, climate, you could say? Well, I was just with a guy, John Farrelly. He's 22. He's from the north. He's just made a movie for three grand. He's going to show it to me. And I suspect, you know, it'll need work and, you know, need a lot of work probably. But I generally find that the people who do things like, I did plays when we didn't have money. I did amateur theatre and Neil Jordan wrote books and published books. So I find that basically the people who get it together to put something out there, like are the ones who make it, you know, the ones who have the initiative to be both writers, directors, producers, publishers, whatever it takes, you know, that you have to be many faceted in the modern world. I heard a podcast, right? And I can't remember his name. He's a filmmaker. He's an actor in Ireland. I can't remember his name, but I remember what he said. He said he was going to go to drama school. And I think he said the drama school was 50,000 to go to it, right? Mm -hmm. It's expensive. And he got a bit of advice from you. And the advice was, that's a lot of film stock. So what do you think about film schools or just getting your hands dirty and getting in there? Well, I think you're better off just to do it yourself. Uh, You know, I think there is a bit to be learned from going to different types of film schools. 50,000 seems a lot. Um, I think basically people now with the iPhone can record themselves and probably record themselves doing all the great parts, like because you can look at Hamlet or whatever online and, you know, doing your own version. So I think it's much more accessible, the means to get yourself seen and be out there. Uh, I don't want to denigrate film schools, you know, like generally the people that get thrown out of drama schools and film schools are the ones that make it, you know? Yeah. What do you mean thrown out? Well, they have an energy to push up against what they're told, the formula, the perfect route to success, you know? And while it's a safe world to exist within a structured organization it's not the same as just breaking through and doing your own thing so just doing your own thing is the most important aspect of anything that people are doing nowadays Um, just getting out there and doing it is the most important part so writing right back in time when you were started writing and coming up you were writing I guess you're true, but it it feels like people are writing now to get accepted, right? Because of cancel culture or whatever you want to call it. So they will write to the narrative that has been accepted. So do you feel like the writer's day of the past, of the greats, is not accepted or it is kind of gone or like, 
is the day of standing out gone and it's just to be accepted? Um, no, I don't know. Yeah, things seem to be more middle of the road now. Like back when I was starting out, actually doing theatre was difficult. And for a guy from the inner city to get into the Abbey was hard. Um or to get into any drama school. So, but in writing, in terms of writing, I would say the first few plays we wrote were both terrible and great at the same time, you know. Great in that they had a great energy and great in our life force and came from real life and terrible in that we knew nothing about writing plays and I still don't know much about writing plays. It's it's not something that easily comes my way because, you know, in many ways, most of theatre, you know, was just smart people sitting around talking, funny people sitting around talking. And that's kind of not where I'm at. I'm, I'm probably more interested in silence and just close up of somebody portraying an emotion i'm not really that interested in what happens on stages you know it's too hard for me to control it and uh i'm not so much a wordsmith that i can you know keep or have not been able to keep people spellbound with it a play narrative it's it's really difficult it's um it's a different part of the brain you know i don't know about that i think you have a way of words but yeah but it's still like i went to see endgame recently and everybody says it's great and i was bored out my life i mean i just found it excruciating the play or the performance with the play play yeah, well, the performances, it doesn't really matter in a play, the performances, because you can kind of see the play sometimes through the performances. I think sometimes it's exaggerated what you can do at a play, you know. I mean, obviously, you can have a great production and make it reveal something new, but in general, it's just like there's a guy in a chair and the guy coming and going and two people in a dustbin, and it's kind of all based on being in opposition to some other type of theatre, which it's kind of destroying. But when the other theatre is already destroyed, nobody remembers it. Its function seems to be like in a, in a in a vacuum. You know, it seems now like a play in a vacuum to me. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. It's like, what's he talking about? The whole play, his father come up to him, crawling to him. There's a kind of story that's half been told in it that never comes to fruition. So it's like Waiting for Godot has a magical kind of found quality that's somebody doodling and have writing something light that has a profound spiritual meaning. But it seems to me that Endgame is somebody writing something very heavy that has... You know, not as much weight as Gatto. He was very depressed, I suppose, Beckett, was he? It's depressed if you listen to it. I mean, if you're not, it's hard to get engaged because the guy with the 
ham with the thing over his face. Like, like why would you care about him? And why would you care about Clove? And, you know, I, I suppose there's a nuclear explosion outside and all that, but... Putin. I mean, it's just a rarefied atmosphere, the Sam Beckett stuff, you know. It's, 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 I think some of his writing is so wonderful, but mostly I think that's in the novels. Um, I directed Happy Days, and I still don't really understand what it's about. Uh, I love play which is a very short one, which is very purgatorial type play that's very good. But in general, like, I wouldn't know what anymore what makes a good play or doesn't make a good play, you know? There's a lot of actors out there, right, and they go to drama school. And drama school is chalk and cheese, I think, from being on set, right? It's completely different. What do you kind of like? There's a lot of actors that, you know, you're classed at the top, as Ireland is one of Ireland's best writer-directors, and, and a lot of actors don't necessarily get to work at that level. What do you look for in actors like us, I guess? or what? I guess there's two questions. What do you look for in actors like us? And when, what, how do you work with actors on set if you can see them struggling? Or how do you bring it out of them? Or maybe even as well, Jim, is like the opposite level, like working with Daniel Day-Lewis then, who's so prepared... I think in actors, I look for actors that don't want to act. Don't want to act? How do you do that? Well, really good actors, I think, kind of to them acting is a pain. It's like a sufferance. It's like they're not sitting there satisfied with themselves that they're performing something. They're kind of being real and living something that they necessarily don't want to live they they i think it's a contradiction that the best the actors who don't want to come out of the trailer and don't want the minute they get on the set want to go back are probably the best actors because the actual act itself is a perversion it's it's insanity it's 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 like a i'm sure in the theater world it was a manifestation of writing back in the greek tragedy days but now it's more about seeing a soul, seeing somebody up close in a film or on TV. It's about trying to get some profound truth for me. I mean, there's other acting where it's George Clooney and, you know, people who are wonderfully talented like George. But it's to me, I, I just never can access it. I'm like, they should be like back in kindergarten doing kindergarten plays because they're so fucking happy acting do you know what i mean like it, it's it's it, it, they're not aware of the i'm not speaking to george Tooney specifically but they're not aware of how entitled they are you know i mean like it's like you know it's like if it's too easy to act it doesn't have any real value you know you're looking for somebody who's not necessarily you know um 
that happy at doing it. They might have other. That's why a lot of the great actors have problems because they're they're accessing something different. They're they're coming from a different place, you know. And uh, it's it's. There's so much stuff about acting that's never spoke of that if I start talking about it, I'll be in trouble with the Me Too movement or the U2 movement or the B2 movement or some movement, you know. But there is a difference in the way women act and the way men act, you know. And women are much better actors than men in general. Be in the traditional sense because their life depended on being able to lie because the power structure was all male like he had a fucking big tomahawk or baseball bat and if she lied if she was caught out lying she could die and I think that's a very profound so when in life and death well, it instilled in women the the need, not an ability, a need. There's a difference between an ability and a need. So if there's a need to survive, and that means you have to lie, and sometimes you have to lie, not, not in the necessary overt sense. Like sometimes a woman would be aware that the man is unfaithful, but she has to ignore it to survive. So there are many aspects to, it's not always an active thing, acting. So if there's a need to bury, you know, or hide the reality. So people assume that reality is that we're all integrated and perfect people and we fucking live. And when we're acting, we go to some other space and we imitate somebody who's also perfect. But none of that is right. Most people are lying and acting in their real life. So so profound actors like Brando or De Niro or Daniel have are, 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 are way past fucking, uh, you know, performing. They're doing something different, you know. But then they're making a living and performing and being talented. So a lot of people are very talented, can sing, dance and act. And good luck to them. That's a different world to, I think, what you're asking me about, which is somebody like Daniel Day. I think that's a world of just performance, you know? And so between method acting and acting for truth and performance, there's a chasm, there's a, there's a big divide. Both are, both are valuable. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. So if, just to finish up, would you have like an example, like, you know, that a new actor or a new actor to you, I guess, on set is kind of struggling. Is there a method that you use to calm them or bring out the performance that you want? You know, it can be very nerve wracking for actors to be first yeah. on set with someone who's worked to the level you have. It's really simple. Like, you know, if I was doing, say, like in America and... The two little girls have to get their family photo taken. And I asked the production designer to get a few shots. And they come back and I go, no, that's not. And I'm that person who's like tough on designers or like that. But with that instance, I was like, nah, they don't look good. 
And they came back with more, no, no. And then they finally came back really frustrated and said, well, we got the best photographer in Ireland. And I thought about it for a minute and I said, did you get the parents? Like, if you want the family photo, get the mother and father to take it because it's inherent mm. in the child that the mother and father loves them. Yeah. Whereas with a stranger, they're in a professional situation exposed and it's almost abusive. So they know that as a child. They're like, what the fuck is this? What am I doing yeah. here? So that's kind of what it's like when you're on a film set. So for me, it's approaching being like the mother and father or being the person who loves them and communicating that. And I don't have an ability to communicate other. In other words, a lot of directors have the ability to be bullies, to dominate the set and fuck people around or David Lean might break actors down, so might um, Hitchcock, so might, um, you know, a lot of great directors did that. And I just don't have that. There's the story. There's the story that you were almost like a father figure to Fifty Cent on set as well. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. But uh, perversely, I think I'm like that now. Maybe because of my age. To most people, I mean, maybe. Like I meet powerful people, and I'm kind of like thinking that they just need a hug, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I think the world. You know, so it's like, <clears throat> but it. it a lot of just being on a film set is just just being grounded, you know, in your own truth, you know. Like I was thinking about it today and I was thinking that it doesn't matter where you put the camera and it doesn't matter, you know, people walk onto a set and say, where are we? It's like, well, we're in a fucking room. Where do you think we are? But what they mean is where's the camera? And the answer to that is it doesn't matter. If... If what you're shooting is right and real, it kind of doesn't matter where the camera is. The moment is real, is it? Kind of. But, you know, you have eye lines and sight lines that have to be real, so you kind of have to get them if you start doing that. But if in your wide shot, you wouldn't have that. Well, what I'm saying is, if you want to set up a scene, you just have to make it real to you believe you have to believe it you can't manufacture it and you can't get it you get into trouble the minute you start manufacturing reality and trying to force it into a box it's just like let the actors do whatever they want it doesn't really matter it's not that important nobody really cares it's going to be the fucking same even if you scream and shout and do whatever so the more you're kind of hands off, the more alive it becomes because people just trust the situation and there's no, you're almost like a director better off. If you want performance as opposed to visuals, you're better off pretending you don't know anything and everybody's helping you because that gives the people to create their own life, their own identity, their own reality. Whereas when you put them into a box and ask them to hit marks and perform like a dog, it's like, yeah, yeah, it can work. But it's it's very hard to do what Hitchcock does, which is hit that mark and still be real. And he used to work on those films forever and ever and ever and ever to get them the script right and get it real. Because 
you know, what he was doing was boxes of terror, boxes of negative feelings, boxes of... But he knew what he was doing. He knew, you know... He was probably playing around with his Catholicism and guilt and fear of women and, you know, whatever. You know? So, because it's so illuminating, taking a photo is illuminating where you take it from, what you do, what you know, you know, where the light is. There's so many aspects to it, you know? Yeah. All right. Thanks, Jim.